Welcome to Everyday Driver, where cars are more than just transportation. They're freedom, a common ground, a way to grow, and can even make life better. We're here to help everyone find a car they love and discover all the ways cars connect us. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is The Car Debate. This is how you know this podcast is not phoned in, because we're actually in the studio. We didn't call anybody. <laughs> Nobody's doing extra stuff in closets. Funny. We actually didn't do it last week while we were on the road when we were shooting. We decided we should do a good one in the studio, because we shot like crazy with the Bronco and the Jeep. Yes, we did. Traveled over to Colorado and had a great time with the new Bronco, the new well, the current JL Jeep Wrangler, Rubicon, yes. mm-hmm. and we did some off-road and some on-road, because yep. people that buy either will drive on pavement at some point. You'll probably spend more of your your yes, time most on of the time. pavement than uh, than off. The only thing we didn't do that I wanted time. to was like do a big film production of driving through Starbucks because I I know that's really what we care about. <laughs> Let's be honest. Yeah. Hey, it's part of the experience. Well, guys, welcome back to the podcast. We have the next episode, which will be live. It will be live streamed on YouTube on mm-hmm. our main YouTube channel. It is episode six five zero six fifty. Yep. That's next time, and that's all non car questions too. So it's hopefully you saved yeah. up your questions and please ask, and that well, will be. Uh, uh, next episode we'll have the live chat going we'll have super chat going it's going to be a super question extravaganza chat. so we're very excited for thursday we have a great topic tuesday from seth k who writes what makes a special car special mm, okay he says this question is pretty subjective he thinks there could be objective things that go into the answer he asks because he's currently in a dilemma okay he's got a perfectly serviceable 2018 Volvo XC60 T6R design with the Polestar tune. Serviceable is serviceable. just that that gets you excited. Isn't everybody right now want to drive Seth's car knowing that it's very serviceable? That's awful. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, it does everything he needs it to do. It does it well. He's an avid mountain biker, indoor climber, golfer, skier. It can carry his gear for all of this and all of it at the same time if needed. That's cool. All right. Yeah. But he says for him, it's not special. And he feels the need to have a special car. The problem is he feels like he's all over the place on what a special car is. Mm, Okay. By nearly all objective measures, he writes, the BMW 330i bests the Alfa Romeo Giulia Ti Sport. Nobody would say a 330 or a 340 is special. Did you watch our Blue Cars episode? Because I don't know that we agree. But anyway. special, nevertheless. But uh, he says if he blinks, he's probably missed at least a couple 3 Series driving by. Probably. Giulia, on the other hand, he says, does at least to him seem special. But he's not sure why. Certainly, it's not nearly as common as the Mm -hmm. 3 Series, and the styling is in a league of its own. But what if the BMW in question has a manual transmission? Mm. Does that, in and of itself, make it it special, or a particular vehicle special, even if the 3 Series, on the whole, he writes... It's not. Mm, So what about wagons? He brings up wagons and (laughs) says... What about brown wagons? Brown Mercedes wagons. Yeah, supposed to have in our our garage a brown Mercedes wagon (laughs) with a stick. (laughs) Exactly. Supposedly. From the 70s. Uh Uh-huh. Generally speaking, he writes that enthusiasts all seem to consider wagons to be special, but he challenges that notion. He does not consider the A4 All-Road, the Volkswagen Jetta Wagon, or the Golf All-Track to be special. Mm, Okay. He used to consider the Mercedes E-Class Wagon to be special, though since it's only available in the U.S. as an all-terrain, now it's less special in in his view. Okay, all right. Same thing with A6 All-Road, but he says the AMG E63 and the RS6 Avant are both special. They are quite special. They're quite special. Yes, they are. Mm. But how about the front-wheel drive Volvo V90 with a base T5 engine? I'm going to go with no. Even I feel, our com- design. I feel confident in my no. Yeah. <laughs> well, he struggles to find it special because even though it looks great, it doesn't have the performance to match. 
On the other hand, change the engine to the T6, <laughs> add all-wheel drive, and suddenly it's special. Okay. All right. All right. There's lots of nuance here, but okay, I'm with you. Well, Seth, thank you for writing. He's been enjoying the podcast, he says, for several years and has bought a few things via the promo codes. Really appreciate it. Really appreciate you supporting the sponsors, too. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's dive right into what the special car is before we try to decide. It's, it's a, a debate in the background. It's sort mm-hmm. of like a yeah, for sure. you know, mini debate, I suppose. Sure. But that Volvo, Seth, might be special to somebody else. Polestar is kind of a special brand. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's special attributes there, but I, I think the key thing is, and, and, and I've done this before, and, and some people might not agree with it, but I really do think what makes cars interesting is what makes people interesting. Okay. They they can't. It's not just a simple list. It's not. There's nuance, and mm-hmm. there's it's the sum of the parts. And you talk about that often, Paul, about how the parts come yeah. together and make a car better than we expected. Yeah. This happens with movies too. You can hear about a movie where you you hear about these people are involved. And this script is somewhat interesting, and, and it should be good. And then you watch it, and it's just it's better than it should be. That's mm-hmm. definitely happened to movies, but it happens to cars, and it's very much like people. And my point, my point here is there is no one thing that makes someone special. They could be very attractive mm-hmm. and quite stupid. They could be. <laughs> right. And, and, yes. and maybe that's fine, but maybe you want them to be quite attractive and quite intelligent. And then, you know what? They're an entrepreneur, and they're, I don't know, four, find four or five other things. Sure. Okay? And all sure. of a sudden, they're, they're, they've elevated themselves way up beyond anything you expected them to be when you saw them across the room. Okay? Yeah, true. But on the true. other end of the spectrum, you could have a person that isn't attractive, but everything else about them is mind-boggling, and they're incredibly special. There's not one sure, element here that sure. I'm saying that makes a person special, and it's the same with a car. Just because it's an interesting design, Alpha Julia. If the Alpha Julia drove badly, it's nice that it looks nice. <laughs> okay? But I'll flip it around. Sure. The first-gen Panamera isn't an attractive car. I know you and I disagree, but it isn't an attractive car. But It's, it's gotten special. less so with the second generation. Like, yeah, th- there you nailed the, it. The, but the sure. first gen is sure. just, it's not attractive. But I would still own one because they drive so very well. And everything True. else around them is unique and special in the True. market. True. So it, it's the sum of the parts. I do think styling is important, but I don't think styling rules all. Mm-hmm. And I also think, to something you said here, Seth, I don't think the base version of a car is ever special. And I'll give you a direct example. The last gen Mitsubishi Lancer. The base model looked quite similar in styling to the Evo. Mm. It was the it was the least because the Evo actually I thought the Evo ten looked great, but the base model actually had most of the styling cues of the big Evo without the big fenders and all and none of the good running gear. The base Evo was not special. The Evo yeah. ten was quite special. You agreed, yeah. So. Yeah. If you have a base version, I'll give you another, another example. The Fiesta, the Ford Fiesta. Not special. Ford Fiesta ST, quite special. So I don't think a base model can be special. But if you get a high performance, we did lots of stuff to it, you can elevate a base car to be quite special. It's all the parts coming together. It's that sum of the parts. Speaking of parts, I want to touch on all of these, Seth, but I think the increasing number of parts makes a car more and more special. Mm. Say one element, for your example, with the Alpha. If it were just styling and the rest of it was very blonde, very mm-hmm. mediocre, mm-hmm. and the build quality wasn't great, and it didn't drive nice and wasn't fast, <laughs> it'd be okay. But you increase the number of aspects or characteristics mm-hmm. about a car, that increases the specialness. So starting with limited production. 
An object that you can't obtain or something that is very difficult to obtain because of barrier to entry, because of availability, because of cost. Well, people just want the stuff they can't have. Sure. Yeah, yeah. That's a human nature Uniqueness kind of thing. Uniqueness is a huge thing. Absolutely. Well, I, we, we made so few of them. You might be able to afford it, but they're just not available to you. Mm. But I still want it. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, is it lots of power? Well, here's the question, Seth. Do people like to go fast? Have people liked to go fast for over 100 years? <laughs> people have liked to go fast since we were restricted to running. <laughs> is the Shelby Cobra predicated upon going fast? Yes. Now, are Shelby Cobras less special because they're available in a wide range of prices and builds? No. Mm, okay. Is it a manual transmission set? You touched on this. This is simply how cars were built based upon their origin without much technology available. Yeah. That's just yeah. how they were built. I want to touch on that in just a little bit, but continuing on to style and design. A car that never goes out of style. You can see this in fashion ads or alcohol ads or some photo shoot that requires a particular vibe. Okay. You'll spot some cool old car in the background of the shoot that sets mm, the mood. Mm, uh-huh. It's timeless. Sure, it's sure, classic. Yeah. Classic fashion looks that never go out of style, especially you know clothes that just fit your body. That, that's, that's helpful. Step one. Yes, ideally. That is your size. Congratulations. <laughs> I'll mention this. Wayfarer sunglasses. Okay. Classic. Mm-hmm. Cool. Sure. How about Chuck Taylors? Chucks. Oh, sure. High tops. Yeah, of course, yes. How about van shoes? You can wear vans with anything. <laughs> <laughs> and for guys... Khaki pants and a sport coat. Heck, just a sport coat. If you have a sport coat, you can add, you know, put it over a t-shirt and jeans and suddenly you look respectable and suddenly you look presentable. Good job. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. You don't even have to do anything with anything else. The part of you just put on a sport coat <laughs> over a ratty t-shirt and suddenly you look cool. Now, for particular specialness, it might be an event the car is connected to, particularly racing, and if it's been driven by a certain famous racing driver. That helps, yes. But then a car that has good driving dynamics, new or old, will and is still great to drive, mm-hmm. that remains special. But here's what I'm trying to get at, Seth, and that is people who marvel at the exact opposite of convenience. Oh, interesting. Okay. Technology right. has arguably made everything, every aspect of our lives, more convenient. Experiencing a car that is inconvenient to drive or shift or maneuver at low speeds or has mm-hmm. parts scarcity fits this category. But it goes both ways, like old British cars that weren't good to drive. Yeah, they fit all those categories. They're really hard and sure. yeah, clunky yeah. and terrible. But then there's beautiful, powerful old Porsches and Mercedes and BMWs, and they continue, like Mercedes, with the classic car center. They want yeah, to yeah. continue to have their old cars running and support their old cars with parts. Do sub owners fit this category, by the way? Uh, oh, wow. That, that, I'm, I'm, asking, us, yeah. I'm asking the group here. Uh, sure. And finally, preservation of reputation, whether that is a person, a brand, or an object. Like I said, the Mercedes Classic Center, mm-hmm. preserving their reputation for you know, a great-looking car. The Mercedes Pagoda Roof SL. Sure. Well, it's suddenly sure, cool yeah. because you use the word pagoda in reference to the <laughs> architecture. Well, yeah. that just makes yeah. it cool, and the price went up. Mm-hmm. Darn it. Why'd you have to do that? But there's nostalgia too. Thing, you know, just the way things were, 50s and 60s. Yeah, yeah. But there's also the outlier, and that is the expensive outlier, and making an old car do things it was never intended to do. Sure. Restoration, Mm -hmm. mods, full custom, you know, only a handful of these are in existence. And that speaks to the Aston Martin. Aston Martin and Bentley owners who are very much against their companies 
building continuation cars. We've touched on this a little sure, bit before. Yeah. You know, they're bringing back the DB4 Aston Martin, mm-hmm. but it's full race everything. Yeah. Like, got a cage, yeah. but it's built by Aston. It's a genuine Aston Martin. Yeah, yeah. Does that diminish the value of all the owners who have DB4s already? Sure, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Shelby Cobra's an example. Question. Does it diminish the value of the real Cobras? No, mm-hmm. it doesn't. Mm-hmm. So who cares? Just build it, democratize it. Let's have it. one, yeah, yeah. So all of these things, and, and I would argue, Seth, that the more aspects, everything that we've named here, the more you have, the more you can stack up and add characteristics, good to drive, mm-hmm. timeless. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like the automotive equivalent of a sport coat. You know, it sure. always will yeah, look yeah. good, yeah, yeah. and it's powerful, and it's supported, and you can always drive it on any occasion. It'll look good. You'll look good. Mm-hmm. Who cares? You know, just drive that car. That's the things that add up to making it special. Seth, I think the question that continues on is future cars mm-hmm. will future cars built from here on out have that classic you know they'll always look good or is it very much a now car companies need to sell cars mm-hmm. yeah. they need yeah, to yeah. do you know design what is in vogue and taste mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. style what's appealing to people right now you're seeing it in the wheel arches of the lamborghini urus and the subaru crosstrek <laughs> let's put cladding on it <laughs> cladding is so right now well it's a yeah. particular pentagon kind of shape mm-hmm that's you know modified, but you're seeing that on all kinds of cars. Well, I, I guess that's the current trend, I, because car companies have told us this is what you like. This, this is, is what, what we're we designing. Yep, exactly. Therefore, go buy it. Expensive, not expensive. Here it is. Here's this trend. So, will cars continue to be beautiful and, and desirable? Maybe there will be a handful, but I feel like less so. Well, you bring up something interesting there, because as cars are getting more and more technologically advanced, they're getting closer and closer to not having a noticeable imperfection. This is another mm-hmm. thing that I think makes both people and cars special. Mm-hmm. Some of the best people you've met in your life have something about them where you're just like, I really don't like that. In fact, all of you listening, I guarantee you, your significant other has that thing. You may love them completely, <laughs> but if you got really honest, you could tell us exactly the thing about them that really annoys you. Okay, They have an imperfection. It doesn't diminish your love at all. And cars are the same way. Those weird, quirky cars that have mm. weird, quirky things, that helps versus, and I'm going to be controversial here, this is what's happened to Volkswagen, and I hate to say it, but it's happening to Porsche, okay. where refinement has become so paramount that oh. personality is being lost. Oh, yeah. And while Porsche yeah. does still make some cars that have some personality, a lot of their mid-grade stuff is just, you know what it is? It's excellent. Yeah. But it's the A student, got another A, and I'm just kind of over it. Mm, sure. You well, know? you mentioned to me the other day, by the way, your Z car review is coming. If you haven't seen coming the 928 first yeah. video, that's out on our main YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Todd's Z car piece is coming, first reveal. But you mentioned to me in passing that you liked the car more when the T-tops were off, I think. But T-tops are fussy and inconvenient. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. They're hard to manage, and they're this big, mm-hmm. heavy thing. Totally, and what totally. do you do with yeah. it? And you've got to slide it into the case and mm-hmm. protect it and position it so it doesn't go flying around in the car. Yeah. And It's fussy. But it's cool. Yeah, it is cool. The, the T-tops on the Z actually have this thing where they have, it's a two-piece T-top. It has the full T-top that you can lift out, but it also has, because it's glass, it has a glass cover. So you can take the covers off. So the car is still closed, but you have the glass roof over you. But again, it's a T-top. You take it through the wrong kind of wash. It's going to leak. You have all that kind of stuff. So these are these imperfections. And I think as cars get, uh, look, this is the reality of electric cars. They're all programming. They're all very sterile. 
that does reduce the specialness because it takes away the imperfections. Mm-hmm. And we are creatures as humans that we want uniqueness and we want to be entertained and excited. And I think that makes that create that requires a little thing where it's like that wasn't perfect, but man, it was cool. If it's all just perfect, it becomes this kind of white noise experience, you know. And the other thing I thought about is we want unique so badly. If, yeah. and I'm going to go yeah. down the enthusiast checklist here, if everyone you knew was driving a high-performance rear-wheel drive wagon with a manual, we wouldn't want one. If we were all driving that. For the sake of polarity? Just, just because I don't want another one of those. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and I'm talking about we listening that are car enthusiasts and have the car disease. Because mm. if you don't have the car disease, this is why everyone buys Subaru Outbacks because yeah. they are a yeah. wagon that does everything you could possibly need a wagon to do, and it has all-wheel drive and safety features and Subaru, and it's going to run in yay. But it's not <laughs> yes. exciting. And the number of white Subaru Outbacks or monochromatic Subaru Outbacks around here would they could just create their own traffic jam. It just is if a we, tyranny. It, it's of amazing white how many Subaru Outbacks. It's amazing how many there are. And as car enthusiasts, we want something more unique. And if the Subaru Outback drove wonderfully, and you know what? It drives fine. I, I don't actually have a critique about it being bad. It's, it's fine. It runs. It, it runs. But, it, but it's great. It's great for whatever you needed to do. But the problem is there's a ton of them, and they aren't special. Mm-hmm. So, but if all of the special boxes were checked, if that Subaru Outback was gloriously fun to drive and manual, I think we would still reach a tipping point where we're just like, you know what, enough with the Outback. Look, there's going to be some New York fashion designer that comes out with a new line of clothing, and then there's a white Outback in the freaking background. You know it. it. Subaru would love we're that the day. Out, yeah. outdoor thing. Well, what, are you saying that future cars need to be engineered with some sort of quirkiness? Yes. Or imperfection? Yes. To, to the point of, this could be better, but it's deliberately not. I think so. You you got it wrong, but you got it wrong on purpose. And, and and here's the weird thing. I think we will never be accepting of that in the user interface because we are used or to as our journalists. Phones. Well, no, we are used to our phones and our computers and the things that have yeah. got to run yeah. perfectly yeah. every time we interact with them. But in the driving dynamics, I think we we need a level of quirk. We need a level of, oh, that's interesting. I didn't expect that. So we as journalists are going to need to be accepting of that like wow that turn-in is exquisitely terrible <laughs> man what no, a great personality this car has. i don't want it to be terrible but i think <laughs> but i think when everything is so rounded off it loses yeah. any kind of flavor i mean a lot of it is driven by the pursuit of racing because yeah. many car companies pursue racing development, especially yeah. for their their sports cars sure. in an effort to get faster mm-hmm. and to get faster you just simply have to be better yeah, whatever category that is, you know, from engineering tolerances, whatever you want to go faster, you want to be better mm-hmm. and it gets more perfect, but it kind of engineers the personality out of it. Well, but on the other end of the spectrum, though, if you think about this, though, as you're headed toward race car thing, all of the stuff that insulates us gets pulled, the actual insulation, the interior, mm-hmm. the stuff that actually yeah, takes true. you away from the visceral reality experience is all getting thrown away in the process of making the world's most perfect race car. And now you got your quirk back because you don't want to drive that to the store. You, you, you're lucky to even go slowly through the paddock. You just want to go hair on fire and nothing else because it's terrible otherwise. Yes. Okay? But once you put all that stuff back in so we can take it to Starbucks and it's that capable, it just kind of becomes a yawn. 
well, then we we know exactly how to fix all Subaru Outbacks. <laughs> oh, no. You yank the interior out of them. <laughs> this is terrible experience to be in here, but, man, I can hear the road. and I'm You, you cage it. Put a manual in it. <laughs> there you go. All the Outbacks. Caged Outbacks. Perfect. You've heard us talk about drive homework because it's vital to drive a lot of things when you're trying to find your next car. Knowing your options is incredibly important. And this applies to online shopping, too. You don't want to search just one website unless that site is searching all the other ones for you. That's why we love Auto Tempest. We know you've heard us talk about it before, and we hope you've already seen how far you can shop with just one search. Auto Tempest pulls from all the top used car sites at once, so you know you won't miss that ideal car. Autotempest.com. All the cars, one search. For the car debate, Michael in Minnesota writes to us, First of all, the market is making him hate car shopping. It's making a lot of us hate car shopping. Yeah. I, I will say this. You know what the market's doing right now? That it's making car selling awesome. <laughs> if you'd like to sell that. a car, please sell your car. If you have a car that is sitting, please sell that car. Right. Well, he also needs to fill a one to two year gap before he gets something that he really loves. Okay. Now, here's a story. He wants to navigate this current car situation because in 30 years of driving, he, can, he sent the list of cars that he's owned. It's an extensive list that it bounces all over the spectrum of sacrifice. But he's never been without a car since he purchased his Mark II Supra at the age of 16. He was able to recently get himself out of a Gladiator lease in good financial position, so he sold the Gladiator. He said it was a great truck, but he finds himself yearning for the days of a good, fun drive, and the Gladiator does fun in a different way. Mm-hmm. He and his wife decided they would share her Alfa Stelvio until he found something. It's been a month and counting so far, and he's getting antsy. <laughs> he's losing his mind. I love it. That's so funny. <laughs> For the first time in 30 years, he hasn't owned a vehicle. Mm. He's saving money, no lease payment. He says that's the only benefit on waiting right now, but he is going stir-crazy, as you said. And it's not that his wife, Stelvio, isn't fun. It is, but it's not his. It isn't the experience he's looking for. Mm-hmm. And they're, even though they're finding themselves making the one-car situation work, he needs to get something. <laughs> you have the disease, and we, we welcome that. You're with your people here for sure, Michael. Now, he's primarily looking for a unique enthusiast driving experience, but also being able to fit two adults and two kids comfortably. Mm-hmm. He'd prefer a manual transmission, but it's not mandatory. He says owning an RS5 has taught him that. He's currently looking for a single car solution, but in the next few years, plans to move to a two-car solution. Sounds like tools for the job. I love it, but not quite yet. It, but not this yet. This is such a stopgap discussion. <laughs> right. It's amazing. So this is a short-term solution for vehicles either in the coming year or just to avoid the crazy used market. Mm-hmm. And he says even though he's up in Minnesota, winners are a concern, but he's not afraid of rear-wheel drive. He actually prefers it in winter. And he says he can do two or four-door, although his wife would prefer four doors. Okay. Now, this is a constraint that he's working to alleviate by borrowing a friend's E90 M3 or E92 M3 coupe, yeah, he says, yeah. and living it with living with it for a few days. And he's not anti-American car, but he says it doesn't intrigue him when it comes to enthusiastic driving. Likes an ex- a nice exhaust note, doesn't need crazy horsepower. He loves the idea of a Lotus, but he can't get away with two seats until he moves to the two-car solution. Okay, all right, good. good. <clears throat> he's trying to stay, get this under $55,000, Okay, but for the right car, he's looking up to sixty-five. Mm-hmm. Reliability is valuable, but with a warranty, he's managed through some pretty unreliable vehicles. <laughs> you, okay. you definitely are, are with us, for sure. He doesn't need a lot of technology, but will take it for the right experience, and he's pretty willing to push the spectrum of sacrifice as long as he can fit four people in the car with relative comfort. Mm -hmm. He is meandering all over the place. He started by considering moving into a different truck, like a Tacoma. 
And then he says, used Tacoma is going for more than new. But he says, this is not exciting. Mm-mm. And it's nope. been a nightmare trying to find a new Tacoma in the right trim. And then he thought about moving to a Bronco, but he says he shelved that solution right now. Because they're currently sending out hammocks that say hang in there. Yeah. This is the reason you don't want to buy a Bronco right this minute. What, what do you do with the hammock? Do you just store it in your Bronco for the I was, next time? I was talking to our friend Basea. Okay. okay, because All he right. has a Bronco on order. Hi, right. hi, by the way, my friend. That's right. And he has a Bronco on order. And he got the hammock. And he said to me, okay, just so you guys can picture it, but Sam is a fantastic CEO professional of a, in the tech world. Yes, He yes. dresses very well. I'm amazed he's my friend. I am not nearly classy <laughs> enough to hang out with Basam, okay? But he looked at me and he went, I had to give the hammock away. What? He, he said, can you picture me in a hammock? And I was like, you know what? You're right. You were the wrong guy for a hammock. But here's the thing. The Bronco like is the so delayed. elephant gift. It's fantastic. It's kind of usable, but here's a hammock that says Bronco on it. <laughs> exactly. You're, you're waiting for your hammock, and you're getting frustrated. And so Ford legitimately sent out hammocks that say, hang in there. Oh, my gosh. So Basam got one, and he is, he is not the right guy for a hammock, so he gave it away. I love that. Perfect stocking stuffer. It's perfect, yes. Here's a free gift that I am re-gifting to you. Mm-hmm. Now you have to deal with this thing. Wow. Well, get this. So Mike has even considered the idea of a Rivian R1T. That'd be cool. It'd be very cool if you can get one. But this is, in effect, a longer-term possible daily option. Mm-hmm. Despite scroll, scroll, back up to the email, scroll, 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 where you said, <laughs> I like a good exhaust note. Yes, I did notice that. He, <clears throat> he, what's happening here is Mike is quite open. He really it's is like looking everywhere. Automotive search equivalent of Pong. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Now, he says his focus after that idea turned back to something more enthusiast-focused. So he started looking at 911s, but he's, advised, he's been advised to go in a different direction because of rear seat comfort reasons. Mike, I'll second that. It's mm-hmm. not a good option. They're no. painted on. It's a, you, you got to put somebody back there like a child the or a very small person is the first time. Yeah, the 992 is the first time they become it's somewhat usable, but this is really, not, it's, a, it's a two plus two yeah, at best. No, yeah, It's not the solution. But he says he's considered this huge spectrum of enthusiast cars over the past few months, mm-hmm. but with high prices, low inventory, making it very difficult to find them locally. Yep, yep. Drive homework has been next to impossible. Mm-hmm. So he's trying to figure out how to fill this one to two year gap with something fun to drive, the ability to share that experience with the family as well. Okay. And while he'd love to think about tracking this vehicle, he says that might be a rare occurrence. Yeah. So he's so far been looking at M4s, M3s, M2s, the C63 Mercedes sedan, older Panameras. But then mm-hmm. because of price, he finds himself balking, you know, when it comes to actually plunking yeah, yeah, yeah. down. And then that up against his perceived value of the cars. Mm-hmm. It's like when you run into somebody who is in denial about how much things actually cost. My father well, with cars. Yeah, he is. He, he, the market has is, changed. Everything is at least 10 grand more expensive than he expected to be. That, I that's mean, across the board. Like, yeah. I know that you think that and you want it to be. We, mm-hmm. we all want the prices to be lower. Yes. They are indeed not. So he says, usually, Mike, this is an easy decision for him, but the market has made his normal process less than optimal from a shopping perspective. I'm not surprised. Yeah. He's willing to continue to explore to find the right car. Wow, Mike, thank you for writing. This it's is stuff. It's a bit really of a conundrum, stuff. and yep. I appreciate that you've been all over it and your willingness to consider a wide variety of mm-hmm. options. Mm-hmm. I like that, from Rivians to anything else, M3s, M2s, whatever. I love that. It's amazing. Mike, what, what really resonates with me here is this is not a long-term car. Yes. So what I'm excited by in, in this discussion is this is a, a single car 
but it is a single short-term car. Mm-hmm. So what I want you to do is get stuff that maybe you wouldn't normally consider. Great. I'm totally with you. And I also think that what that means is because of what the market's doing right now, shop just under the big boys you're considering. And the two yeah. I want to bring up right now, because you said the M2. Don't go M2. Go M240 or M235 used. Yeah. Yeah. Spend half your budget, maybe two-thirds if you get a super nice one, of your <laughs> sixty grand, maybe two-thirds of that. Get yourself an M240i with a manual. You will enjoy that car. It has the size and dynamics of the M2, but it doesn't have the M2 specialness, so there's none of that upcharge. It has usable back seats in a pinch. It will still be fast and manual and fun. If that's not big enough... Then you don't get an M4. I mean, yikes, beaver teeth. But you get an, a 430. Sure. Yeah. You get the 430. Yeah. Watch our 430 convertible review on our Test Drive channel. Okay, That's, that's YouTube.com slash Test Drive. Okay? Go look there. Okay. All right? Yep. Go look there because that we're driving that, and we actually were pleasantly surprised by it in spite of beaver teeth. Okay, because it actually has a surprising amount of power and genuinely usable back seats in what is kind of an enormous two-door sedan. Yeah. Okay, yeah. it's a it's a coupe, but it's really a sedan. It's it's the whole BMW nomenclature thing. So I think the 430i is your better one than the M4. And then I'm going to go to a cu- couple of cars you haven't considered because this is the stopgap car. So it doesn't have to be anything you've listed. You've been all over the map. Paul yeah. mentioned all the way to a Rivian. So what about a Veloster N? <laughs> That has room for kids in the back. The whole family can go in that car. Yeah. Just get yeah. that car for twenty five thirty right now. Okay, but it's half your budget. Drive it, enjoy front wheel drive magic for a bit, knowing that you're gonna get rid of it. You just just enjoy it as a fun chuckable car. In that vein, you want to go even cheaper, get yourself a Corolla XSE hatchback. Now, that is a lukewarm hatch. That's not a powerful it car. It is. It's it's a chuckarama. It's not chuck a, that thing it's around. Not a powerful car. But get the six speed. Spend, at this point, a third of your budget for a new one and just enjoy it. Just have it your car that's just doesn't need to do anything but just work and be fun. It's just six-speed. It's not powerful. It's not a great exhaust note. Who cares? Mm-hmm. You could mm-hmm. go that far down the, ro- down the road. I have two more. Okay. One is going to be on the fringe and one is a full wild card. You want to jump in here first? Do you want me to keep going? Keep going. Okay. Oh, this is good. Because this is a temporary car, I'm going to completely push on you, Mike. Something you've said you just don't have interest in. And I'm going to say, for a year, have interest. Go get yourself a Camaro. What? Go get yourself an American what? car experience. You <laughs> say you don't like the driving dynamics of American cars. That's but you like an exhaust note. <clears throat> Camaros are out there. That's okay. true. Get yourself a V8 Camaro in the current chassis. By the way, surprise, it drives really, really well. It's a big car with usable back seats. Yeah, the, the back seats are smaller than that M4. They're they're smaller, than, but the M4's got huge back seats. They're every True. bit as big but as the ones kids, in the M240. Yeah, it's every bit as big as that. Maybe bigger. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so usable back seats in a pinch, much better than the 911 would have been. You've said I'm not an American car guy, and I'm going for a year, right? Instead, That's a good instead point. of just looking at them from a distance and going, I don't like any of those. Get one. Get one and have it for a year. You don't mind rear-wheel drive in the snow. You want a good exhaust note. You'd like some power. You want some, you'd love it to be in manual. Camaro, 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 Camaro. Okay? The current <laughs> chassis is excellent. And they get overlooked. That's funny. Okay? I think you should get yourself a V8 Camaro in a six-speed and just go, this is my car for right now. You're, mm. you're, you're doing a long-term tryout. You make it to the end of the year and be like, yep, I don't like American performance cars. Fine. But you can say sure. on the back of having one for a year, this is... 
this is it well done and I still don't like it. Or you may be a year in and be like, you know what, this isn't me, but I really respect it. I think it's a really wow. great life experience for you, Mike, so I recommend that. And then my wild card, because of your Rivian discussion, get a used Model S or Model 3. Try okay. out the electric experience. Toe into the pool. Mm-hmm. Huh? Get a used one, okay? You can figure out if electric really does work for you. For when you get your two-car solution, should one of them be something like a Rivian or a newer model uh, mm-hmm. from Tesla or somebody else mm-hmm. making something? You could go electric if you've decided it works for you. But you know what? You may try it for a year and be like, I don't really like the electric thing as much as I thought I would. Or, look, the Model 3 and the Model S are not the world's most dynamic cars, but they are rear-wheel drive, especially in the used ones you can find. Mm. They are genuinely fun in their own way. They're not manual. There's no exhaust, no, none of that. But I think you might be like, you know what? This is a laugh in its own crazy new way. That's mm. my wild card, and there you go. Well, that's really good. Mike, have you considered a Camaro? I know. Come on. This that's is the time. A, a one, it's like a one-year long-term rental, practically. That's funny because I was looking at it the same way. Mike, if this is a temporary car, all your options change. Mm-hmm. You're shopping mm-hmm. as if this is the next car that is going to solve the equation for the next however many years. Exactly. And he knows it's not. You're shopping that way mm-hmm. with the requirements that it is not. So we got to change that. Todd, you did a fantastic job. I love your suggestions. Camaro. <laughs> I'm saying it. Camaro. I know. Your wife's going to be like, a Camaro? I'm telling you, why not? Well, <laughs> this is good. Mike, I'm going to start with my wild card. Okay, good. And I liked your Veloster N, but I'm going to counter with a Civic Type R. I wondered. I wondered. Because if it's just for a year, yeah. I can enjoy this <laughs> yeah. crazy styling yeah, yeah. and just deal with it. It's front-wheel drive. It'll do fine in the snow. If you want to track it, if you want to do some performance driving, it is well-suited for that. They're mm-hmm. fun to drive, manual transmission, great suspension change, Civic Type R. You got a what? You're driving what? What are you, midlife crisis? <laughs> Mike, what? you okay? You all right, Mike? Is everything okay it's at home? It's just for a year, people. <laughs> I'm just enjoying the styling yeah. for a year. But I'm going to save you money. I dun, want dun, you dun. to spend less. I agree. Don't spend the full 60. Less. Yeah. I'm talking about calling our friend Adam at Sotomoto in oh, Seattle. wow. Okay, hang on. I'm not talking about the small cars. I was going to say, we, we have kids that consider it. you got to four people in the car. Yeah, still have to, that has to it's, happen. It's not like a Honda Acti. Or I, was, a, I was worried. Yeah. Uh-huh. Anything like that. But I did find some rather unique cars. They're actually yeah, you can. wagons. Starting with a 95 Volvo 850 Turbo, five-speed. Whoa. Cool. There, see, there's a cool. special wagon. We were talking earlier yeah. for Seth and special wagons. There's one. How about an 03 Volkswagen Passat with the W8 with a six-speed manual? Adam finds great stuff, doesn't he? He's Weird selling it for $10,500. Yeah, I'm a little concerned about that, but it's sure fascinating. Yeah. But then back up here, I found what could be a really interesting solution. It okay. is an older Alpina B6 2.8 Touring 5-speed. It's the Alpina Wagon. 5-speed manual oh, wow. sport wagon. It's got 127,000 miles. But if you have it for a year and you put ten to twelve thousand miles average in a year, sure, it will have a hundred and thirty-seven thousand, or hundred. <laughs> we'll call it one hundred and forty thousand. Yeah, that's still not a scary number, and it looks well maintained. Mm-hmm. It's silver with gold Alpina deco stripes, and it's the five-speed. It's a cool older wagon because yeah. would you go older if you? weren't shopping this way. Probably not, because all of your suggestions have been fairly new or brand new cars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't think that's necessary right now. 
No, let's go way older. They're yeah. selling this. Adam's selling this for twenty two five. Hmm. Third of your budget. You got a cool wagon. It's unique. You'll get mm. compliments. People who know it's a car, you know car enthusiast yeah, kind of wagon. Yeah, yeah. It's useful, but it's smaller, chuckable, still fun to drive. Rear wheel drive. Yeah, I love it. But it's a wagon. You'll have a cool wagon. I do like this. And then you might be able to sell it for what you bought it for. Probably because close. it's a cool older Alpina B6 wagon. And, and the people are either they're shopping for that car or they're not even looking. It, exactly. It, the people that are going to buy that are going to buy it for about the same as it is right now. It's a good point. I, I mean, really like this. There's a few other weirdities like the Alfa I like, Romeo. I like weirdities. Not oddities. <laughs> downright weirdities. Yeah. They are. Alfa Romeo 156 Sport Wagon, maybe. Yeah, we'll maybe. See. But he's even got the, uh, the late 90s, the Mercedes E55 wagons. Those are monsters that'd be kind of fun but you you said you've managed to make through you know unreliable cars i suspect any one of these even with higher miles will just run you might do a few things there'll to be it. stuff to do but it'll but again, still be pretty good there's light at the end of the tunnel it's a year i, I agree with that totally it's a year, year. Even 18 months two. even yeah, even sure. two yeah fine you've got this cool interesting car just drive it enjoy it enjoy older car enthusiast kinds of dynamics maybe before you take the plunge into electric cars or something like that so you're saving money I like you it. could probably even ask adam hey i'm looking for something do you, what do you have coming in <laughs> you know have a little conversation yeah. there and he could probably find you something interesting even that volvo 850 turbo those were just cool looking i, I like yeah, those. they were no they front were, wheel drive sure, yeah. whatever but who cares they're just interesting so you've got a lot of options there but still you could do that civic type r and just be it, you know. Why not? Yeah, I totally hear you. Hooligan again, a little bit. When the weather gets hot, it's time for custom sunscreens and dash covers from Covercraft. Their custom sunscreens are made to exactly fit inside your windshield. I mean, perfectly fit for maximum protection from the sun. They're durable and sturdy and fold up wonderfully for years of dependable use. There's a wide variety of colors and styles available, including the original awesome Silver One, Premier Series, and Carhartt. Covercraft offers dash mat custom dash covers as well, custom fitted to your dash for complete protection from the sun. They reduce road glare when driving and complement your interior with a large selection of colors and styles, including the original carpet dash mat, suede mat, velour mat, and the extremely popular limited edition. Whatever sunscreen, dash cover, or car cover you choose, remember you need to use the code EVERYDAY21 at checkout to receive a 10% discount and free shipping from Covercraft.com for our audience. You can find Covercraft by following the link from our sponsors page or go directly to Covercraft.com for high-quality products that keep your vehicles protected and looking their best. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. As always, you guys are great with questions. I do want to remind you there will be all car questions, all non-car questions on the next podcast. 650 is all questions all the time. Nothing about cars. Bring the weird ones. We'll see where it goes. We, we, we never know where this podcast is going to go. It is going to be a live stream on YouTube Thursday night, and then it will go out as audio only on Friday as well. I'm going to start right here because this is a car question, but it's one that I brushed by in a prior podcast. Uh, Rocco said on Facebook, he wants to hear my abandoned car story. Oh, yeah. So okay. I will tell this. I'll try to tell it All quickly. Right. But right. this is a classic story from college for me. This is in the um, <clears throat> Chevy Caprice era of the Deacon household. Wow. Okay. Taking and I back. had my I had the hand me down that was my dad's first one that he still loved. Okay. It was a two tone brown mid eighties Chevy Caprice. I think it was an eighty four. Does he still talk about it? Had a now? lot of mileage. Do you know? Does he still uh, he, mention it? Uh, every now and then when you bump into what cars cost yeah. or how they run or them needing maintenance, he'll come circling back to the Caprice because they were cheap and they only ran and they were awesome. Okay. Anyway. All right. So picture fantastic two tone Chevy Brown. Lighter brown on top, darker brown on the bottom. 
So classy. It was like caramel over chocolate. It was Ooh, super great. Yeah, nice, exactly. Nice. And so that had a lot of mileage on it. That was my college car. Okay. Well, at some point while in college, I left a light. I was actually home visiting my parents. I left a light when it turned green. Okay. And I got a little ways into the intersection, and a family blew through the light fully red oh. at speed. And I barely got stopped, and they took off. The actual plastic front grill of a perfectly, like imagine them perfectly slicing down the front of the car. Oh my god! Barely gosh. Bent, dented the bumper, but removed most of the plastic grill. Like so shaved I, it right off. Pretty much. So I, being a college student, just took it off. And I had this big angry maw on the front of that Caprice for a f- couple of months. Okay, just this big open With angry maw. With a giant maw. front grill? You were way ahead of your time. Exactly right. So I had that. So I had the big <laughs> opening angry maw. And then I had taken off the old man-looking hubcaps. It was hubcaps, folks. I took off the old man-looking hubcaps and didn't have Man. anything on at the time that this story came about. Okay. So take all that into consideration. I had a girl I liked. Okay. And I invited her with a buddy of mine, my roommate and I were going to go out. We're going to be climbing at this place. There was a place like right along the river walk, okay, not that far from Baylor where I went to school. Okay. You know, go Bears, I guess. I don't know. So we're there in okay. Waco, all right? We found a place to climb. It was pretty easy. It was easy, easy access for somebody that hadn't climbed before. And I really wanted her to join us climbing. So I invited her one night after school. I was like, hey, my buddy and I were going to be down there. Come join us. Come climb. She's like, yeah, I totally will. She didn't show up. Okay. We still climbed. She didn't show up. Okay. Have you ever heard this story? I thought, I, I, okay. So anyway, so, so the I next time I, I see had, her, the next I, time, you know, one, Monday, Wednesday, Friday classes, right? right? So the next time I see her, I, I pull her aside and I'm like, what's up? She's like, well, I went down there and I was going to join you. And I'm thinking, what the hell? And she said, and then I saw this old abandoned car. <laughs> and she said, I got a little spooked. And I said, was it uh, like a big two-tone brown sedan <laughs> without, a, without, a, chocolate? without a grill and like old nasty tires? She said, yeah. I said, yeah, that's, um, that's my car. <laughs> So from then on, from then on, everyone I knew in college only referred to that Caprice. No matter, even after it got a better grill and some decent hubcaps, oh, it was only good. ever referred to from then forward as the old abandoned car. <laughs> I guess I hadn't heard that story. That's fantastic. I love it. Well, Zephyr J says the GR Yaris was sold in Mexico. It's got family in Mexico. You can drive a Mexican plated car for up to a year in the United States. Mm. And after some quick research, he says it could make this work all legally. Which is starting to give him bad ideas. I think these are fantastically bad ideas. The question is, is it worth paying double insurance to drive a GR Yaris for a year in the U.S.? Yes, 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 Did you hear the special cars discussion up front, Seth? Yes, 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 It's a special car, and we don't get them here, which makes it extra special. Yes! Yes. Uh-huh. The end. If you can afford that extra double insurance, I think you run, don't walk, and get yourself one of those. Nathaniel G. says, hey, guys, will we ever run out of technology to put in the interior of cars? Based on the prior decades and how car manufacturers like to sell cars, they've even sold cars in the 90s with uh, Lindsay What's-Her-Face, the actress who sold Mercury's based on the fact that they had Bluetooth. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, where they rolled it through the frame, essentially. You don't even know if the car runs, but you know what? It's got Bluetooth. That happens, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the newest thing he says he's heard of is the Volvo X60 has memory front passenger seats. Well, I think Mercedes has done that for quite a while. Others have as well. Upper level, the memory front passenger. Yeah, it's becoming... thing but but it's that classic thing where like the s-class and the upper level sedans introduce the new crazy technology that means wait a decade it's like set set your watch it's going to come (laughs) all of that stuff will trickle its way down for sure the uh, yeah the answer is absolutely no 
They'll never run out of things to hype or things actually to put into a trim package. Mm. They're, mm. They've gotten even mm-hmm. worse. It's th- the disparity in trim packages that blow out a car's mm-hmm. price yeah. is out of control, and there's no end in sight. Well, we had a recent conversation when, again, I'm bringing up that 430i convertible BMW that's on the test drive channel. Yeah. Yeah. We had a recent conversation where we were driving that car, and we realized that to get the dynamics that you want... <laughs> They'd split all the dynamic elements in the three separate packages, which yeah. means if you really want the most dynamic version of that car, you have to click all three packages, which may have stuff you don't want. But this is the genius of car configurators. Oh, I need that too. And then all of a sudden, yeah. look at how much expensive that is. By the way, side note came out of an email we got recently. If you are curious where to find everything we do, the YouTube channels, the feature films, the podcast, the TV show. You you came in and you've heard one, in this case, the podcast. You want to find the rest of it. Go to everydaydriver.com. There's tabs across the top. You can find everything there. If you want to know our two YouTube channels, there is the original channel. And I, is it the Extra Crispy channel? It's the Test Drive channel. It is the Test hit, Drive Hit channel. the YouTube We're not lighting them on fire. The top. They're we not are. Extra Crispy. So you yes. can find all of our old TV episodes and our uh, current cars, which are the cars of the past, plus the old car challenges and lots of other stuff on the original Everyday Driver channel. The Test Drive channel is the other one. Those are standalone cars of both within, in the cars together doing kind of a podcast discussion that's on the test drive channel you can click directly to both of those from that place on our website We've got a couple of interesting questions we can dive into about the next generation miata mm. phil do 7 pt9 on instagram says according to mazda the next generation miata is destined to go electric will that increase the value of the prior generations of miatas mm. should he keep his nd also on twitter Starscream s13 yep. says what's our opinion on the 2024 miata possibly getting a hybrid version so you can see not everybody's quite accurate. The information is flying around. Is it hybrid? Is it there's, electric? There's nothing Which is official it? yet. Yes, exactly. Yeah. What do we think about that? Well, first of all, what does any electric platform do to a small car? Adds weight. Mm-hmm. And we have driven the first generation Tesla Roadster. It's based on the Lotus Elise. It is. And it's 1,000 pounds heavier than Todd's Elise. It's 50% heavier. 1,000 pounds heavier. Take any car you have, add half its weight again. Hello. It's exquisitely terrible. I didn't like it at all. <laughs> it's quite it fast. Ruins the car. Ruins everything about how small and lightweight and fun that car mm-hmm. is. But yes, it's very quick, very fast. But that's not the point. Mm-hmm. There's lots of big cars that are fast too. True. true. So Mazda's got to be very careful, and I yeah. think they are. And of any company to entrust with the future of the Miata, it is them. It's yeah. their own yeah, creation yeah, their to understand. They they understand the power of lightweight more mm-hmm. than anybody. Yeah, they do it well. So if they're going to build an electric or hybrid Miata, ooh, it either has to grow slightly in size, but ultimately it has to be lightweight mm-hmm. because they're not going to introduce a Miata. The, the dynamics are 50% or more worse than the prior any prior generation yeah, Miata. Would yeah. they do that? Yeah, Sales would plummet. There wouldn't right. be you're no right. business justification for Mazda to build a car like that mm-hmm. because people aren't going to buy them. Yeah. It's not fun to drive. The whole point of buying a Miata... It's fun to drive. Yeah. The end. That is its beginning and end reason to exist. Yeah. You can't have a bigger, fatter Miata that now has four doors and that's not a Miata anymore. So, yeah. yeah. Th- this Here's the other part of the equation. They can't help but try this. Okay. And I wonder if they're going to have options. I wonder if they're going to have, here's the hybrid version and here's this pure gas version. Or here's the hybrid version and the all-electric version. So there's mm-hmm. still a gasoline version available with a stick shift or something like that. I think there's no question that every manufacturer is going to start creating options like this. And I think Mazda can't help but try it. 
but I also think to everything you've already said, they know what they have in the Miata and mm-hmm. they are unique in the market and it sells because of exactly the recipe they use. So they can't change the recipe too much as far right. as the driver experience. Right. Otherwise, it simply won't sell. It's the new Miata. It feels like you're towing a concrete parking barrier, exactly. but otherwise, here's the new car. It's, so- it's worse across the board, but at least it's electric. Yeah. <laughs> Phil, I think you should keep your ND. The dynamics are timeless. They're brilliant. And if you already have a Miata that you love, keep that car. But to make prices go up, they're only going to go up among all of us nerd enthusiasts who love the car. But that's really the only people who are buying them. I think rare is the person that just wants a small sports car and doesn't really know much about Miatas. And that's a nice looking little car. And I think I'll buy it without really knowing what you're getting into. Yeah. There, that can't be possible. I don't right? think you accidentally trip and fall and buy a Miata. I no, don't think that happens. You yeah. kind of know what you're looking for, and you're lightweight, fun, small, the whole reason, you know, all the dynamics that we've suggested. So I, I say keep your ND, but Mazda, again, they're going to be very careful. They're mm-hmm. just beginning to think about exploring hybrid versions, electric this. And things have to get continually lighter for our fun, lightweight sports cars to retain those dynamics mm-hmm. so they can sell cars. The whole point is selling cars. Not to placate enthusiasts, to sell cars. <laughs> Devil Correct on Twitter says he, he saw the photos that you posted of the Bronco and the Wrangler. And he just said, we're really living in an era where a Wrangler Rubicon can be 70 grand. And then he yeah. said, I'm just, he's kind of, he yeah. says, at that point, he just kind of says, I'll show myself out. He's just like, okay, <laughs> there we go. I guess that's where we are. So here's the thing I will say about the Wrangler Rubicon. It's not easy to get it to 70. You got to do like the big 392 and you've got to check every single box and that kind of stuff. Most of them are around 50. Now let me zoom out for a second and go, why is a Jeep Wrangler 50 grand? It's not even hard to get it to 50. You you get yourself a Wrangler Rubicon, bring $50,000 or more. Easy. Which is crazy. And that's about what this uh, this Bronco is costing too. It is nuts. But you also have to keep in mind, Devil Correct, that we are in the era where it is not difficult at all to buy a pickup truck. For more than 70. Yeah. Not even hard. Oh, pickup trucks are more than 100 now. Yeah, if you want to do it, you can Easy. go more than 100. But yes, yeah. and I'm not even talking about you bought the fun ones like the Raptor and the TRX. You just have pickup. 70 grand. It's nuts. Uh, RM Natas. Well R- done. Love that one. That's good. Point zero dot zero says, for someone who hopes to get his first car in the next months, he would love a Focus ST or something similar. With the crazy prices right now, what do we think he should do? The STs are $20,000 Canadian where he lives. Fiesta ST. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Did an in run on that question, Fiesta didn't ST. I? Well, my point was going to be your first car doesn't have to be the car. It absolutely doesn't. That, that is absolutely the right answer. Fiesta yes. ST, of course, yes. but you you don't have to point all your dollars yeah, and all your right. everything, mojo, everything, to making my first car the one that solves mm-hmm. it all and you're I'll right. keep forever and it'll be the best car ever. You can just start out getting a car. I mean... Mm-hmm. You won't have a fun car story. My first car was, well, in your case, a Caprice Classic. Yes, it was. The old abandoned car was the first car out of the box. You won't have any fun stories if my car was, well, it was perfect. And I autocrossed it. And it was brilliant. (laughs) And I paid through the nose for it. And I loved it. And darn it, I still have it. Or something like that. So don't necessarily look at making the perfect, the right choice. Get something that fits your budget. If that's not a Fiesta ST or a Focus ST, Mm -hmm. maybe you need a Honda Civic for six months to a year just to get your foot in the door just to get, get an old driving. Mini Cooper get something that is yeah. known to be solid and decent dynamics but is not the holy grail car or even on your list of cars you must own it's just you know it'll be good because mm-hmm. you're right first car is very worthwhile but I would do personally Fiesta over Focus every single day yeah 
or is the last question for me from Jared Rose one who says we have to remove one of the following engine cylinder counts. Oh, you're taking this on this, this, this question history. terrified me. Actually, This, this is a hard one. You have to remove one of the following engines from mm-hmm, history by mm-hmm. cylinder count and all the cars that came with that engine. Whoa. The 10-cylinder and the 4-cylinder are intentionally omitted. Because <laughs> he knows those are the ones we'd pick. <laughs> right, right, exactly. But 6, 8, or 12-cylinder cars, so 6, 8, or 12-cylinder engines, mm-hmm. and all the cars in history that were powered by those engines, the V8 sticking around. I mean, come on, muscle yeah, car okay. era, V8s. Mm-hmm. And the 12-cylinder cars have to stick around because of <laughs> the thrashy mechanical nature because V12s are in such – they're not being built hardly ever anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they need to have that place in history. They and need so to remain there. And so many the exotics have been V12s forever. Yeah. But I do get like a six-cylinder, 1955 Mercedes 300 SL. yeah. That car has to go by the wayside. I get it. The BMW uh, inline six goes. Yes. The Caymans go. The 911s go. Oh, I know. (laughs) It's terrifying. I know, but I can't say, well, 12 cylinders, because those were majestic, amazing creations. Yeah. And the cars that are powered by V12s, there's this aura, this mystique. They're special, for sure. They're amazing. So I think those have to stick around, even though I think I just shot myself in the foot. Noah Borealis 03 says, hey, did I hear that Chevy has released the 632 big block, and do I expect to put it into my Lotus? <laughs> that's next week's, that's, the week after that's video, exactly. right? Exactly. Right. Two weeks away. Yeah, that's not happening, but it does make me laugh. Thank you for the laugh there. Also, Revs Up says, do we still autocross? Is it too tame for our current cars? What about the origin cars we just bought? What's going on? Uh, the, the reality is that in spite of the fact that Paul and I love tracking, we feel really kind of blessed if we get three or four days a year on our own cars Mm -hmm. and so what we try to do is figure out what is the event we can do that not only works with our busy schedule but also is the one that will allow us the most possible drive time Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and the problem with autocross which is awesome and if you haven't autocrossed please go autocross if you've never done any track driving performance driving please do autocross the problem with autocross is that the amount of time behind the wheel is significantly reduced compared to a track day that's Mm -hmm. the number one reason i don't go because I actually think it's awesome. But the nice thing about it is the bar- barrier for entry on experience is none, just come. And the cost is far down below a track day. So these are the reasons that it's worthwhile. But there's not a, for me personally, if I'm going to take a day and be at a track, I want to be in the car as much as possible. So that means track day, not autocross. We appreciate all your questions as usual. TV at gmail.com for all your car debates, your topic Tuesdays, and your car conclusions. Keep us posted, guys. Thank you so much for your social media questions as well. And we're looking forward to the next episode, episode 650, All Questions Live. Cheers, everyone.